I got two verses this morning. It's Acts chapter 15, verse 16 and 17. After this, I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Man, I love that verse. I, I, I'm just captured by it. But then Acts 15, 17, and the message says this. So the outsiders who seek will find so that they will have a place to come in and the pagan peoples included in what I'm doing. God has said it and now he's doing it. Wow. Say with me. So the outsiders. It's not even for us. It's for those that are on the. He said, I'm going to rebuild a place where outsiders feel welcome. I'm going to build a place where people that are not on the inside, but those that are on the outside, feel like they can come and be accepted. Those outside people, those people that... He said, I'm going to rebuild that tabernacle. I'm going to rebuild that place. Moses had a place, but it wasn't for outsiders. You remember, it had an outer court and an inner court and a most holy place. So I'm going to contrast the tabernacle of Moses with this tabernacle or this house of David. Now, while I do that, I'm going to use this metaphor that I hope every man in here at least, I don't know whether I'll cross that gender barrier or not. Anybody ever heard of Jason Bourne? I got a few there. I'll keep coming. Okay. Jason Bourne, you know, that CIA dude that could kill people with a toothpick, you know, that CIA dude that got in some kind of a battle, got thrown off a ship and he, he has amnesia and he doesn't remember who he is. So there's this forgotten identity. And, he, he, and with the forgotten, you know, if you don't know who you are, you don't know the skills that you possess. So not only is there a forgotten identity, there's a forgotten understanding of the gifts and the talents and the skills that lie hidden with inside of you. And so Jason Bourne was this dude that woke up, but he didn't know who he was. And he turned around and right there was somebody trying to kill him. And he's put under pressure. And when someone put him under pressure, these unknown skills that were innate inside of him came out. And, you know, he took the gun and melted it with his little finger and threw them off the building and got in a car and started it with a clothespin. And, 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 and when he got away from the pressure, he went, how did I know that? You ever had that happen? You get put in a position, and when you get put in the pressure... Something comes out of you that you didn't know. And he started having flashbacks. And those flashbacks were not complete in their revelation. And so he continued to have this opposition. And every time he'd get in opposition, he'd have another flashback, which would fill in another piece to the puzzle of who he really... Am I making sense yet? Did you get the story? It's your story. It's your story. The best stories that are ever made in Hollywood are our story. About how we were created in the image and the likeness of God, and then someone took advantage of us, and we've forgotten that we're children of God, and inside of us are these dormant skills and gifts and potentials. And the enemy comes to kill us, but the very pressure that the enemy puts on us is going to reveal more about who we are than. So if you're going through something today, let me tell you, you're going to discover more about who you are than you. Wow. That's why he thanked, that's why Paul thanked God for all those afflictions. 
That's why Paul was able to rejoice in those things, because as long as that was... So today is a story about how God's building a place that people can recover their memory, that they can remember who they are. God, God is going to build a place where people that are outside, where they should have been inside, and he says, I'm going to rebuild that place. I'm going to rebuild that sanctuary. I'm going to rebuild... Because God wants to be in such a relationship with us that we remember who we are and the skills that he has deposited with inside of every one of us. God wants us to know what we have. Outsiders. Outsiders. Let me give you another word. Losers. Losers. Can I tell you the most valuable person to Jesus is a loser. This is so interesting to me because we in the religious world and in America West, we celebrate successful people. We celebrate people that have made it. We buy their shoes. We're such idiots. Do you know that that Air Jordan is no better than what you get anywhere else, but they've just put some dude going, it ain't no better. You didn't buy no tennis shoe. You bought a dream of being... You're buying dreams. You're paying hundreds of dollars for a dream. You ain't never going to jump, boy. You ain't never, 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 never. And if you're over 30, you're out of your mind. You're just nuts. I love it. My, I mean, I got a son. He brought me these shoes. He's, Dad, look at these shoes. And I'm going, son, no, it ain't happening. I love watching preachers. When I was growing up, we bought expensive suits and ties. Now they wear 500 bucks on their shoes and a three, $300 shirt. And they say, we ain't like them. We're the faith people. We ain't spending. I thought, you lying. You lie. You lie. Everybody lie. You lie. I lie. Everybody lie. Everybody exaggerates. No, I don't. Yes, you do. You told him you lost 10 pounds. You lost three. He's back. I had a lady come up to me and she goes, I, I've never seen anybody preach with your style. She said, what is that? I said, it's snarky. She said, what is that? I said, go look it up. I don't know. Jesus loves lost. He loves losers. He, he, he tells the story about the lost sheep. He tells the story of the lost coin. Did you know neither one of them did anything to be found? The coin just laid over in a corner. Lost. The sheep was down there playing with the goat. Just lost. I got news for you, you religious people. They didn't do nothing to get found. And that sheep would have wandered off again. I promise. The son, he came back and he said, I'm going to repent. Did you know the father interrupted him before he did? He's just lost. Jesus loves losers. He said, I'm going to build a place where losers are welcome. You're sitting there going, I ain't no loser. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. You just don't want to admit it. There's some place in your life you are not making snuff. There's some place, some area in your life that you and I both know needs help. Oh, well, just sit there. You try to act like you got it all together. You ain't. I'd take a thousand smokers over one liar anytime. I'm telling you, I just, you know why? Because you can smell that problem. 
You know it. Don't you have a bunch of addicts going there? I, yeah, I got a bunch of addicts going there. I got a bunch of liars too. I just can't figure them out. Say loser. I'm going to rebuild a place. See, I've stood in the Vatican this year. They don't let losers in there. You've got to have the right clothes, the right pass, and you've got to know. I've stood at the West Wall. They don't let losers there. There are gates there. You ain't got the right curl. You ain't getting to that wall. Mm. You have to have a pedigree to get to that wall. I've stood in places. God said, I'm going to rebuild that place. Why? Why David's tabernacle? Why not Moses's and all of its grandeur? Why not Solomon and all of its grandeur? It's not because David was broke. David had the money. He could rebuild anything he wanted to build. David was king. He had the authority to build anything he wanted to build. But, but he built this thing that was very simple and it only had one piece of furniture. Why did God say, I'm going to rebuild David's tabernacle? Well, number one, because David had this personality that he was always after it. David didn't have a half-hearted personality. I mean, if he's going to kill a bear, he's going to kill a bear. If he's going to chase Bathsheba, he's going to chase Bathsheba. Think about it. I'm going to kill that lion. I'm going to kill that bear. I'm going to chase the enemies out of Ziglag. I'm going to run after. I mean, whatever you make your mind to chase, honey, you ought to chase it. He, he, I, I, I'm still, I'm still, I'm always captured about him talking to Benaniah. And he goes, now Benaniah, I killed that lion because he was after my sheep. Why did you jump in the pit after the lion? And Benaniah went, because he scared me. I mean, David killed the sheep because the lion because he was after his sheep. Ben and I killed him because he said, he had the nerve to try to scare me. How many of you worry about anything? Have anxiety about anything? Anything scare you? You need to chase it into a pit, jump into the pit after the thing, and take its head off. Haven't you lost enough sleep over something that's trying to scare you? Listen, I ain't living like a scaredy cat for the rest of my life. If you have the matzah to try to scream at me and scare me, I think I'll jump in the pit because if you're going to kill me anyway, we're going to die today. Are you listening to me? Some of you could sleep tonight if you just go ahead and face that thing and either it, buddy, it's either you or me, but one of us is going down today because I need my sleep. Oh, you didn't, yeah. Listen, you need to tackle that thing that you've been afraid of, running from. If, if some, I had a lady come up to me many, many years ago. She said, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them. I said, honey, you're going to be fast because I'm going to beat you to it. And I just got up and told the crowd. She was mad. You know why? Because she didn't get to tattle. Her power was in the unknown. But if you make known, are you, am I making sense? David knew how to run at things. He appreciated other people that knew how to turn and run at things that were threatening them. It was a reflex. I love what Hebrew says. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. You're destroyed because you step back. But we are those who believe, run at, and we are saved. We need to quit shrinking back. 
I mean, I told people this week, if I acted crazy, it was for God. If I kept my sound mind, it was for you. I want you to know. I just told them. I want you to know. I will not talk in tongues in front of you this week. And it's just because of you. It ain't because of God. Because God wants me to express every gift I got. But out of respect to your stubbornness, I will not talk in tongues. But I am home. Four visitors are going, how do I get out? (laughs) Am I making sense yet? The roar was a reflex. He's going to rebuild David's heart because David had built his reflexes. David didn't stop and think about, should I chase it? David just chased it. Have you ever had a reflex? I mean, when they take and cross your legs, go boom, and you go bam. You, you need to have this down on the inside of you. There ain't nothing going to come take my sheep or my sleep. I ain't going to be scared. It's going to be a product of the challenges. David understood what he was after. He knew it. He understood that mercy seat. He understood that Ark of the Covenant. He understood that down there, over there, about 20 miles was this box that Moses had built. It was built specifically. It was laid with gold. And on the inside of that box was the tablet of the Ten Commandments, was a piece of the manna that rained from heaven and was the rod of Aaron that represented the authority of the priest. He knew what was in the box, but he didn't go get the box for what was in the box. He went and got the box that was covered with gold. Had two, two hammered, hammered. You ever been hammered? Squirrel, you ever been hammered? I mean, if you're hammered, you begin to lean. You know, as I've gotten older, have you noticed us older people, uh, more vintage? <laughs> now that i got some vintage on me, I, I, I'm more vintage than some of you. And I got a, Anyway, have you ever noticed how vintage people begin to lean? They begin to lean. Life has hammered them. There's been some things in our lives that have hammered us and we begin to lean. If you see someone leaning, you need to listen. If you see someone, you know the way you try to correct leaning? I've been, try, I've been trying to do this. Bruce kind of put my chest out. How many, come on, old guys, got to get this. How many of you are a little older and you kind of go, kind of, it ain't there, but you're trying, you know. And now I found myself, you know, this, now I'm kind of leaning back. If I keep leaning back, I'm going to fall. Never Hammered cherubim. Hammered by life and the brokenness of life. And they're on their toes. And these two angels, just their fingers almost touching. And they hover over that seat. David didn't want the box. He didn't want what was in the box. He wanted who sat on the box. Because that mercy seat of forgiveness is the only place that the glory of God could sit down. Listen, God will not sit down in your gossip. He'll not sit down in your criticism. He'll not sit down in your judgment. He'll not sit down in your doctrine. He'll not sit down in your individualism, your institutionalism, nor your intellectualism. He will sit down in the place where people want his forgiveness to be made manifest. He'll sit down there. And David understood, I need that box. I need need that place where the glory of God sits. I I need that. And if if you know anything in in the Bible, you know the story about how they carried that presence of God through the wilderness and into the promised land. And then the Philistines came and got it. The Philistines robbed them of their presence. 
Remember when Samuel and the Ichabod and the glory of God left and the Philistines robbed it and the Philistines would pull the presence of God around on a little red wagon behind. That's the way the Philistines moved the box. And, and if you read it, you'll find out that the Philistines were plagued by sicknesses and disease because they didn't handle the presence of God correctly. And eventually they bring it back and they put it over here and they say, there it is. We don't want it anymore. The Philistines didn't want the presence of God. The enemy didn't want it. Bam, we're tired of mishandling the presence of God. We know it's the presence of God. We know that it was in that tabernacle with Moses. We know that when the Israelites carried that box out into the war, they won the war. We stole their strength. Did you know that your strength is in the presence of God? And that if you're robbed of your awareness of the presence of God, your strength will fade. Oh, you're... So it sat down there through Samuel's ministry, through King Saul's ministry, because they were afraid. They didn't know how to handle the presence of God. And it sat down there for years, but David woke up and said, I got to have the presence of God in my house. I got to have it. I can't live. I can't. I, I, I'm, I'm hungry. I, I, I've got everything's okay in the kingdom. I've got my house built. Everything. I, some of you that are moving towards retirement, you need to recover the presence that you had when you were radical about 18. Some of you that have gotten lazy as you've gotten older, you need to hear me. Now's the best time to go get the presence of God. Now's the time to show your children. Now's the time to show your aunts and your uncles, I still have hunger. I'm still longing. And David said, I'm going down there. And, he, and, and the only thing he knew to do was do what he saw the world do. You ever tried to do what the world did but handle something the world can't touch? You can't handle the things of heaven with the culture of this world. But he went down there and he tried to put the presence of God on the culture of the world. And he just did what he thought the Philistines doing. He put that box on his oxen-drawn cart and it didn't go well. See, David read the culture and said, oh, they want coffee and sugar and sit in a cushy chair and out 50 minutes and we got to give the people one thing. That's the way the world is doing it. So we'll do market analysis and we'll figure out what they want and we'll give them what they want. And God started shaking because God is not user friendly. He not seeker friendly. I mean, Uzziah, user friendly. The church has been trying to calm God down for generations. Listen, God will show up, stay too long, shake too hard, and shout too loud. He'll always make a mess of man's plans. Because it's his agenda, not yours, honey. And David went down there with fully good intentions. He put that box on that cart. He started those oxen. And Uzziah, God started shaking and Uzziah is trying to calm God down. And he died. Bible says David was angry. I could use my Oklahoma vernacular. I mean, he was off the scales. Mad. Angry at God. God, look what I was doing for you. God, I was trying to go to another spiritual level. Anybody of you ever tried to reach for another spiritual level in your life and fell flat on your nose? You were going to pray every day. You were going to stop saying that. You were going to help the poor. You were, gonna, you were trying to go to another level, and it didn't work. 
It's because you were using the wrong. But you got misunderstood. And now some of you, you've tried a couple times and you just say, oh, heck, that's not for me. If God had wanted me to have that gift, he'd give me that gift. No, honey, you got to change the way you think it's coming. It ain't coming in the way you think it's coming. The gifts and the presence of God always come on his terms, not yours. Oh, well, I better back up. Now I feel like I'm in Wisconsin. He was humiliated. Do you know that when you attempt to go to another level spiritually in your life, you, you can be misunderstood and you can be humiliated. This is embarrassing. I went down there to bring you here and you embarrassed me. The Bible says David was angry. But if you keep reading, you realize David wasn't stupid. It's one thing to be angry. It's another thing to be stupid. David is a man after God's heart. And David went back and read the Bible. Imagine that. Go back to the book. You know, it's like that, that baby stroller you tried to put together on Christmas and you didn't need the instructions. And you got both back wheels on the right side and both front wheels on the left side. And for three years, your daughter walked in circles because you failed to read the instructions. And look at me, Dad. And David did the untenable. He, 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 thought, he, he admitted, I must not have known what I was doing. Because when I look back over there, Obed-Edom's house is being blessed profoundly. So there's nothing wrong with the presence of God. Maybe it's the way I was handling the presence of God. And he went to the book and he found out, oh, there's a way to do this and not a way to do this. Found it right here. And so now he went another time. Say another time. I'm going to rebuild David's house because he came another time. We're going to do this again, kids. We're going to try this shot again. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna try, you hear me? We're going to try to create an atmosphere where the glory of God is so strong and so powerful that it stops people on 20th Street as they drive by. We're going to try again to become that place where losers are welcome. We're going to try again that when we begin to worship, healings begin to happen without any. We're going to try again to be that place with a tangible presence, not the omnipresence, but the tangible personal presence of God is so strong that sickness and disease cannot exist. We're going to try again. Are you listening to me? I thought he was fixing to retire. My retirement has been extremely exaggerated. <laughs> Rumors of my retirement are extremely exaggerated. I'm going again. You need to understand. We're going, and he goes down there. And this time, he picked up that box and he put it on the shoulders of sanctified priest. Can I tell you something? The presence of God is not coming in your house on a little red wagon. You're going to have to carry. And the glory of God is heavy. The word glory means heavy. And we're going to have to, listen, ain't nobody coming in the mailbox. We're going to have to look at your neighbor and say, pick up your corner. Oh, you didn't get it. Have you ever had to carry that box? And the dude beside you wasn't carrying his part? I don't care if they're dead or alive. That's heavy. Pick that thing up. They pick that thing up. And then, then David took, for 7 to 14 miles, he took bulls and goats and he killed them. 
And it says they would take six spaces. Say a little, a little ways. We're going to move. Everybody wants the presence of God to go from here to there. Bam! Pentecostals love it when suddenly. No, no, no. Six spaces. Boom, 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 boom. The presence of God will never go in a place that's not covered by the blood of the Lamb. The presence of God will never go until the blood of the Lamb is appreciated. The presence of God will never come into your life if you don't understand it's not by your works but by His. There's so many people trying to accomplish the presence of God by their behavior. No, 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 no. This is all in the midst of the blood of another. Heavy, time-consuming. And oh, by the way, while you're carrying something very heavy and you're doing something very tedious, I want you to sing very loudly. And we're going to have an orchestra and we're going to get loud about it. I'm carrying something very heavy. I'm walking in the blood. It's very tedious to remain anchored in the blood of the Lamb. And yet, I'm going to worship God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, Folks, we're coming out of the frozen chosen mode and we're going into the fiery furnace and here we go. You know, I've wondered about people that tell me, I don't dance. Man, if you'd gone 14 miles with that heavy burden, killing these goats and these sheep rather, and and, and singing with all, you might have stepped into the house and went, thank God You're here. You might have done the two-step a little bit too. There's a verse in the Bible that has always irritated me. Always. Come here, Curtis. Front row, you're going to be used a lot, man. I'm telling you. Turn around, face the wall. Uh, It's Genesis 17, verse 1. I am God Almighty, Lord Almighty, El Shaddai, and I want you to walk before me and be blameless. I hate this verse. Okay, go. No, 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 no. You didn't do it right. Back up here. Okay, now, 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 now be a little more blameless. Go. No, no, no. Have you got why I hate this verse? And then over 35 years of teaching, I begin to understand that God never turns his back. On me. I I begin to learn that he always got around in front of us. And he said, Now then, I want you to walk before me. Step back. I want you to step back. And we step over. And we step back. Stay right here. And we step right here. And we step back. And this is going to be really weird. We're never going to live this down. We're never going to live. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I'd never dance alone. You think you're dancing alone. No, real dancing is when you get him in the house. And you're face to face. And if he says this way and this way, eventually he's not even saying anything. He's just, you might dance too if you got her back to the house. If, oh, you're not getting what I'm saying. I'm going to rebuild that house. 
I'm going to restore that relationship. Are you getting it? I mean, David knew how to be after God even when he sinned. I mean, you know, compared to David, Saul was a saint. Saul just refused to finish killing him. David killed her husband and took her. But when Saul was confronted with the issue, he said, hey, make me look good. When David was confronted with the issue, he said, don't take your face away from me. Don't stop, take not thy presence. The word presence, the word glory is all the word face in the Hebrew. It's the same word. Don't, don't cast me away from thy face. Psalm 51, go ch- this is going to... Mm-hmm. Take not thy presence from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. If you take the word out, then you have restore unto me my... He didn't ask for that. He didn't stay restore unto me my salvation. Some of you think God's restoring your salvation. God doesn't restore salvation. He never took it. He's the one that keeps getting in front of you. Had you ever done something in a relationship and the joy out of the relationship was gone, but the relationship was still there? It's religion that robs you of the joy of salvation. They threaten you like you got to get saved all over again. That is not theologically true. Restore to me the joy. I know I disappointed you. I know I let you down. I disappointed myself. I disappointed the people around me. I've lost my happiness and my joy because I'm so ashamed. Please take my shame. David was a man after the heart of God. I want to restore. Second reason why God is going to restore David's tabernacle is he liked the architecture better. You didn't get it. I mean, it, David's building was more modern. I mean, have you listened to young people today? Well, we, we, we want a house that has an open space concept. Yeah, which means there's no wall between the kitchen and the living room and the TV. It means we take a bunch of walls out, still the same space, but it's, it's, you can see all the way across the house and, and, and got it open space, more modern. And not as many antiques, but, but just a little less furniture. Are you getting this? We're going to take some walls out. The second reason he is going to rebuild David's tabernacle is because he likes the architecture a lot better. There's no veils. In, in Moses' house, there was the outer court, which is called the people's court. And then there's this big, thick, four-inch curtain here. And then you go into the inner court, which is called the court of the priest. And that's where the priests are. And then there's another veil, and this is called the holy of holies. And that's where the presence of God is. And, and I think another reason you got to remember that David's house was attractive to God is that I think David was illegitimate. I think he was. I mean, why else would he be treated illegitimately by staying out there in the field? Jesse was ashamed of him. And when he came to find the son that was going to be the king, David was out there in the field. Obviously, his dad wasn't very... That's how you treat... 
And, you know, we got a grandmother named Ruth who's a Moabite, and we got a great-great-grandmother named Rahab who was in the city of Jericho. So there's a lineage of some shady stuff. You didn't get it. And see, in the tabernacle of Moses, no illegitimate losers, outsiders were allowed. And we had all this furniture that you had to go through, all these things. But when David built his tabernacle, it was a stretched tent cover, and the only piece of furniture was that ark where the presence of God was. And he took out the walls. And he said, I want an open space concept. And I want to see from here to there and from there to here. And the only piece of furniture in the room is going to be this ark where the glory of God sits down. Not going to be veils, no walls, every loser, every illegitimate, every outsider. So what I think I'll do is I'll replace the veils with worshipers. I'll replace the veil with people who have a heart after God. For 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we'll have people with their hands outstretched looking, holy, holy, you deserve all the honor, all the praise. And we'll stack them as deep as we can get them. And, and when outsiders come, they won't be quite able just to walk right in, but they'll see flashes of the glory of God coming through hands and feet and this dancing. And that worship will be the attraction, not the coffee. And, and, and when you really see people getting radical in their worship for God, you want to know what kind of God they're worshiping. Are you listening to me? If you're not a worshiper, your door-to-door -door will never work. You see, because it's, it's the presence of God, not your program. It's the presence of God, not your performance. It's the presence of God, not your politics. It's the presence of God, not anything else. And so David said, there's no walls in here, but we're going to surround it, and, 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 and you're going to serve your moment 24-7. And when it's time for you to go rest, we're going to tap you on the shoulder, and another worshiper is going to take your place. But I'm going to continually praise God, and if I'm going to continually praise God, you're going to continually praise God, and it's going to cut. Am I making any sense? The whole reason to have an open space is so you can get more people who can see the glory. And we all know that even in Moses' tabernacle, before he built it, he went up to the mountain. And it says he was exposed to the glory of God. And when flesh is exposed to the glory of God, it changes the flesh. Oh, you didn't get it. And we are changed from glory to glory, Paul would say. Listen, it's not your intellect that's going to change you. It's not your understanding that's going to change you. It's going to be your exposure to the presence of God, to the face of God. In church, we've been selling them everything but the presence of God. Man, I want to go for it one more time. I'm 61 years old. I got a good 10 years here. Let's go one more time. I pastored for about 15, 16 years, and man, the power of God would fall in this place, but they would fall and lay down, exhausted. I nearly killed Charles and Martha. Four hours of standing up there. I mean, come on, some of you were here, and the Lord began to talk to me about this, about a, listen, there's a, there's a, there's a way. They dance between this, and God says, I'm going to restore that place. I'm going to rebuild 
that place where losers and illegitimates, I'm going to rebuild that place. I married this girl 42 years ago. You know the only thing I remember on that Saturday night? I don't remember what Gilbert said. I don't remember the cake. I don't remember what anybody, I don't remember who was there. I don't, do you repeat after me? I'm sure I did. The only moment in the wedding service that I remember is moving that dadgum veil. Oh, you frozen, chosen bunch of... But honey, when I lifted that veil, that, oh, that's what I came for. I didn't come for the mints. We're going to have blue mints, Quentin. Ain't that going to be funny? I could care less. Gilbert's going to, I don't care. I want you to, I don't care. But the day I lifted that veil, <laughs> some of you need to let him lift the veil. You let him need to see your eyes. It's, it, I hate kissing with a veil. <laughs> I mean, it, she's never taken a Kleenex and gone just a minute. <laughs> you have germs. Some of you ain't going to forget the picture. I can, I can save your marriage tonight. Go home and lift the veil. Be transparent. Most marriages die after about 20, 25 years because they forgot how to be intimate. Well, we're old. We don't need... Yeah. So am I. I'm vintage. Good wine. I can't get it. I think intimacy is wasted on the young. I do. They don't get it. Now, I, I, I can tell you how to live 42 years. Keep lifting the veil and being surprised. <gasps> you know why old people grow grouchy? Never mind. Old people grow grouchy because they think because the flesh is deteriorating, the desire has stopped. Just because this thing's getting older doesn't mean the heart on the inside has gotten older. The desire of my heart is just as strong as it was the day I married her 42 years ago. Oh, you're not listening. Okay, that was that. I better stop. Do you know how many people are stuck out here? They're stuck out here. Yeah, I'll give thanks. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving. I'll give thanks. I came this morning. You need to be happy I got here. Thank you. You enter into his courts with praise. There you go, Kelly. You get a little closer when your praise gets a little more. But you get into the Holy of Holies when all of a sudden you're worshiping the one that was there. Worship will take you. David understood that. I'm going to rebuild David's house. His desire to be intimate with me is still deep. Man, I love Jesus. 
Did you know David got in trouble because he counted people? He got in trouble. One, two, three, four, five. He got in trouble. Moses got complimented. You know why? Come here, Earl. Because when Moses counted people, it says he lifted them. He lifted their face, and now they're not a number. Moses said, see my face, I've been with him. Let this glory be yours. Values. Oh, you're not here. When you come into the presence of God, and you're willing to move beyond just thanksgiving and praise, into that presence that lifts your face. And all of a sudden, the value you're trying to ascribe to Him, He's giving back to you. Come on, rebuild that place where value is exchanged face to face, where people are changed. Come on, Jason, remember who you are, son. There's forgotten gifts and talents. You're of great value. It's what this place should be.